Murder. Murder. ba Welcome to Death Do Us Part podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up, y'all? Hey. Hey, everyone. So today's going to be a little different. A little different. Hello, Lincoln Way <laughs> students. Hello, Lincoln Way. I'm a Pravi guy, so. Oh, here we go. Yes, I'm Providence graduate, yeah. so you're lucky I'm doing this Lincoln Way. Are they going to learn about cults in this class? Because <laughs> I think they should. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, this is new to us, so bear with us. This is a cool project, though. So yeah. if this is a field that you're interested in pursuing, um, you're going to have more projects like this in college and in the police academy. So um, Mrs. Highland chose a cool project to give. Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoy it i hope you guys get something out of it and for our regular listeners i hope you kind of enjoy it too (laughs) kind of stop laughing at me not swearing yeah so this is going to be very clean so um we are not used to speaking clean no so this is going to be an adjustment for us yes so we are we are going to (laughs) try our hardest because if we mess up uh, we got to start all over again, and that's going to yeah. be a pain in the butt. Somebody was like, well, just edit it. And I'm like, yeah, we, we don't know how. We, we we can't. So We can't. Now, so the case we chose um, is about teenagers. It's yes. about um, teenage death. So there's going to be a lot of trigger warnings, um, mainly for the students. Um, and maybe explain what a trigger warning is to this, for, I was going for to, the yeah. students. So just, it's just a heads up as to what is going to be discussed throughout the episode. So if, if you hear something in, as a trigger warning that you're not sure you're going to be able to listen to, you're not sure you're going to be able to digest it, you know it's coming. It's a warning as to what we're going to be talking about so you can kind of prepare for, yourself. Yeah, you could fast forward right. or you could stop. Right. You know, whatever you feel comfortable doing. Right. Now, I know times are different. They're much different now than they were when we were that age. And right. teenagers now tend to know a lot more than we, you know, knew. Right. So, but there are trigger warnings. Um, this talks heavily, heavily about suicide, teen suicide, depression, eating disorders, self-harm, cutting, which is a big deal. Bullying. You guys have to worry about yeah. it. Um, this one, as as a mama, this one hurt my heart a little bit. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very hard to determine, decipher, really, what happened. Yeah. You know? Um, it's... It's hard as a parent to not want to blame somebody when something like this happens to your, your child. Right. But... Because you always want that closure. Right. You don't necessarily want to accept that maybe something was wrong. Right. Maybe you did miss something. And I'm not saying that anybody in this case did. I'm not victim blaming or shaming or anything along those lines. But this is a tough one because there's a lot of questions that only two people can answer. And one of them's not here anymore. So. And as far as court proceedings, we will try to explain 
in definition what something right. might be. You know, you guys might not understand like what an indictment is right. and stuff like that. Just the technical terms. So, so we'll we'll do our best to explain to you guys. You know, where our normal listeners probably already know something, but you know, like I said, guys, just bear with us. This is new to us, so. So you ready? I'm ready. All right. So we are doing uh, the case today of Michelle Carter and Conroyd Conrad Roy. Um, it's commonly called the texting suicide case. It's also the subject of a documentary on HBO called I Love You Now Die, which is relatively accurate, as striking as it is. Yeah. So so just a little information because this comes into play. Um Antidepressant drugs are often an effective way to treat depression and anxiety in children and teenagers. However, they do carry an FDA black box warning about a risk of increased suicidal thinking and behavior in individuals under the age of 25. An FDA black box warning is like a danger, danger. Like, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a kind of a flashing red sign. Mm-hmm. Um, it may also trigger anxiety, agitation, hostility, restlessness or impulsive behavior which is a little counterproductive because teenagers kind of struggle with all that stuff anyways yeah i mean i'm 40 and i I struggle with that stuff so yeah um according to the national institute of uh mental health approximately 3 million american adolescents aged 12 through 17 had at least one major depressive episode in 2015 and that represents about 12.5% of the adolescent population wow. in total. Yeah. Wow. Um, research shows the strongest risk factors for depression in adolescents are a family history of depression, because it is hereditary, uh, and exposure to psychosocial stress. That's anything school, friends, TV, any outside influence, really. Yeah. Um, developmental factors and hormonal changes play a part. So does bullying and peer pressure, academic pressure or problems, family discord, sleep deprivation, low self-esteem, or history of violence, whether you've witnessed it or you have been a victim of. It's not really understood why medication is more effective in adults than kids or teens or why side effects are more significant and severe in kids and teens. That's a big one. Yeah, that's huge. As a child starts and goes through puberty, their bodies and brains go through a series of rapid changes, and then you throw in societal and peer influences, and it's the perfect storm to create confusing and difficult times, often marked by anxiety, and even go as far as moments of complete despair. Teenage depression often goes undetected as it presents differently than depression in adults. It often tends to be brushed off as hormones. Yeah. Teenagers also tend to have more physical symptoms mm-hmm. of mental illness, um, in addition to the racing thoughts, stomach aches, physically headaches. sick. Right. They get physically ill. Um, that that's a big one. And a lot of teens, unfortunately, are just brushed off as well, you're a teenager. Yeah, you're you're, you're, you're gonna go through you're it. You're growing. You're but you're going through hormones. There's a difference between hormonal anger you know right. and an actual mental Anxiety illness and it's and depression it's one of those it's kind of hard to to spot if you're not used to spotting it or if you're not 
if you haven't been through it yourself. Right. So, uh, according to the Suicide Prevention Resource Center, suicide is the second leading cause of death in uh, um, adolescents aged 10 to 14 and is the third leading cause of death in uh, people ages 15 to 24. Wow. Adolescents have a higher rate of the number of suicide attempts um, than adults because teens tend to be more impulsive, which is a good thing because then it leads them really to more non-lethal methods. Yeah. Uh, Poisoning, which it's changed over time, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. over-the-counter medications. Yeah. Teenagers really go for opportunity Mm -hmm. versus outcome. According to a 2019 LA Times article... The youth suicide rate, um, <clears throat> which is 14.6 persons per 100,000 persons, is the highest it's been since the government started collecting the statistics in 1960. Wow. That's crazy. That's frightening. Yeah, that's scary. Um, the observed increase in suicide may reflect more accurate reporting, possibly due to coroners and families being more willing to accept a suicide diagnosis um, change in the use of opioids or incidents of depression teens and young adults have become more depressed over the past decade and have suffered higher levels of psychological distress hmm. now you're ready for this yeah <laughs> research has failed to root out the causes but there is evidence to suggest it's this generation's unique relationship to digital technology I could believe that. 100%. Yeah, I could believe that. We're one of us, us, mm-hmm. are the, we're the last generation that knows both. We know yeah. before social media, we know social media. Yeah. Our parents, That's true. they know social media to a point, but they don't know they it don't, in regards yeah. to it being a social influence. Right. Um. Our children. And how important it is to... And that's what I was going to say. Our children. I mean, it's the end-all, be-all. Exactly. Social media is the end-all, be-all. That's how you communicate. That's how they communicate together. So, you know, we're that one generation that's kind of stuck in the middle that we we can see both sides of it. We can send a text. (laughs) Right. We can make a phone call still. But we can Snapchat, too, at the same time, you know. So... Our parents tend to not really understand the influence right. of it. Um, I feel like our generation tries. Yeah. We try really hard. And I feel like maybe you and I are in a unique position that we've seen it a little bit more because we've seen the outcome of it yes. a lot. Yeah. Um, we also have a 16-year-old daughter. Right. So, I mean, we have a kid in high school who right. thinks social media is the end-all be-all. Right. You know, we have a nine-year-old who thinks social media is eh, he can give or take you know right if, if, as long as he's got tiktok he's okay right but it's you know, we have a, a kind of a different perspective of it yeah so all right 317 pages of messages were pulled from her phone of those 317 pages select text messages were handpicked to become part of a death investigation but it was the one text that changed everything. That's why you need to be aware of every single text you are sending. Every single message you are, you are sending. So we're going to give some PSAs throughout this episode. Um, as much as you think something that's deleted goes away, it doesn't. Right. 
anything can come back with a subpoena. What what I didn't what I should have gone over is our backgrounds too. So I'm a retired homicide detective. I was on a task force for six six years. Police officer for 16 years and until I had to retire, you know, due to health reasons. Jamie, my wife, she's a full-time paramedic. So this is our background. This is what we do, you know. So cases like this, this is what we handled. Mm-hmm. So our PSAs, you know. They're pretty spot on. They're pretty spot on. Yeah. So I wouldn't just brush it off like a normal no. teenager. Mm-hmm. I would maybe... Take it to heart. Yeah. Yeah. We're not ones to sugarcoat things either. So, right. I mean, those Snapchats that you think disappear when somebody's done. They don't. They don't. Um, anything can come back with a subpoena. A search warrant, actually. Yeah. Sorry. That's what I mean. Yeah. So, everything that you think deletes in a search warrant, I get to, I, I see everything everything there's also ways to go through a phone to pull everything that's been deleted. right you could also dump a phone which a lot of police departments have and you're dumping it and you see everything everything, everything that's been deleted everything that's saved everything so just so you know that's out there so it was one text message that changed everything Uh, This text message was described by some as complete despair and a confession by others. Quote, his death is my fault. Like, honestly, I could have stopped it. I was the one on the phone with him and he got out of the car because it was working and he got scared. I effing told him to get back in because I knew that he would do it all over again the next day and I couldn't have him live the way that he was living anymore. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't let him. I should have done more. It's all my fault because I could have stopped him and I effing didn't. Wow. So this this was a text sent by Michelle Carter. And that was just one text. That was one text out of 317 pages. That they picked out. They're saying it was 60,000 text messages. I could believe that. Oh, just going through the text messages between her and Conrad. Yeah. Yeah. So... Michelle Carter was born on August 11th, 1996, in Plainville, Massachusetts, to parents Gail and David. David was a sales manager for a forklift supplier, and Gail staged interiors for real estate agents. Uh, Michelle attended King Philip Regional High School in Retham, I believe is how it's called. Some sources say that Michelle was popular, and she did earn the... Oh, man, I forgot the name of it. Superlative. Oh, thank you. I was thinking of Jimmy Fallon. Um, The superlative, most likely to make your day. Ah. However, she had quote unquote friends, but never really had a close friend group. Yeah. She spent a lot of her school career dealing with passive aggressive bullying. Um, Did she keep kicking the table or something? Oh. Sorry. Um. She did struggle with depression and an eating disorder along with self-harm that we find out throughout the case. Mm. Um, According to what Michelle told a friend, she was initially put on Prozac um, in 2011. However, being shortly, shortly after being put on Prozac, she attempted to hang herself in her closet. 
She uh, told her friend that she researched how to tie the knot. She stood on a chair for 20 minutes crying. Jeez. And then felt completely disgusted with herself for, quote, chickening out. She was taken off the Prozac and she was put on uh, Soltalopram, which is Celexa, which is a pretty common one for teenagers. Um, For depression? Yeah, for depression, yeah. Uh, In 2012, Michelle was 15, and she was visiting her grandparents in Naples, Florida. This is where she met Conrad. 16-year-old Conrad was in Naples visiting his great-aunt. His aunt is actually the one who introduced the two teenagers. They figured out pretty quickly that not only were they both from Massachusetts, they only lived about an hour apart. Hmm. So, which is odd, meeting in Florida, you know? Yeah. Uh, they also discovered that they both had struggles with mental health, which they seemed to bond over. Michelle and Conrad spent the rest of their trips together, and Michelle would say that she fell in love with Conrad when they were riding their bikes along the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conrad Henry Roy III was born on September 12th, 1995, in Mattapoisette, Massachusetts. Ooh, that's... That was a tough one. I researched it. Good job. I had to listen to Google uh, Translation (laughs) quite a few times. Good job. Uh, His parents' name were Lynn and Conrad Jr., and his grandfather was Conrad Sr. So they called his dad Co. If I say Co, I'm talking about his dad. Conrad is Conrad. He's the the kid. Gotcha. Uh, They owned a marine salvage business called Tucker Roy Marine Towing and Salvage. His mom described Conrad as a, quote, beautiful soul who was happiest on the water. In the spring of 2014, he earned his tugboat captain's license, which I think is uh, hilarious. Yeah. He played baseball, road crew, and ran track. Uh, In June of 2014, he graduated from Old Rochester Regional High School with a 3.88 GPA. Not bad. Smart kid. Yeah, not bad. Um, He also had already been accepted to Fitchburg State University, but at the time was debating whether or not he was going to go. Yeah. He was planning on going for business. Uh, According to court documents, uh, Coe was physically abusive to Conrad, and his grandfather was verbally abusive to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, His parents ended up divorcing, and it was contentious at best, but also described as brutal and violent. In 2011... Conrad's mom was arrested for domestic battery against his father, who stated in a police report that she slapped the side of his face during an argument in front of his children. Uh, Conrad was closer with his mom, really, um, and had a complicated relationship with his dad. It almost seemed like the older he got, it was a struggle for dominance. Yeah. Like, there's another, like, adult male in the house. Like, alpha, you know. I get it. So, at one point in 2014, there was actually a physical altercation over macaroni and cheese. Oh, boy. Co told Conrad to put it away. Conrad said, I'll put it away in a second. Um, an argument ensued. Co's girlfriend called Conrad um, a piece of... Bleep. Bleep. Um, the cops were called, and Conrad ended up with a concussion. Oh, Wow. Um, to this Jeez. day, Coe says that Conrad came at him, he has no regrets, and he wouldn't do anything different. Mm. Do you want to rethink that? Yeah, yeah, right? So, 
Conrad didn't really take the divorce well. Uh, His grades started dropping. He couldn't focus. He was having memory problems and racing thoughts. So they took him to multiple doctors and psychiatrists. Uh, His dad would say that it was hard to see him become a shell of himself. Um, He started to get bullied at school and sat alone at lunch. Mm. Um, I hate that. I know. I hate hearing that. Like, it makes me, like, I get a lump in my throat just thinking about it. Stop being mean and just, like, welcome people and you you don't know what they You don't know what someone's going through, you know? And this, um, both of them, it's very sad for both of them. So, um... His mom seemed to understand his depression a little bit more. But in the same token, in the documentary, she said that, you know, she she thought he was fine. Yeah. And dad thought he was fine. And they didn't see it as bad. And it, but it, it makes you want, like, they took him to all the doctors and the psychiatrists. So, like, yeah. you, you can't sugarcoat it at this point, you right. know? Right. So, um, he was also. Uh, one source says he was put on Prozac too, um, which was changed shortly before his death. Mm-hmm. Um, he still struggled very much with depression and social anxiety. That was a big, big thing. Um, he ended up starting to vlog the video logs. Yeah. Um, they're still up, actually. If you like. Are they really? Yeah, if you want to watch them. Oh, wow. Um, I watched a bunch of them, and it's... It's heartbreaking because of what he's going through, but in the other sense, it's so relatable. Yeah. So relatable. He questions his depression. He's like, I have a good life. I have good parents. Why am I still Why am so I depressed? Like this? Yeah. yeah. Um, he says, you know, I, I have so much to offer somebody, so why do I still think of myself so negatively? Mm-hmm. But then talks about how he's trying to better himself. He puts himself in social situations to see if he can get through them. Yeah. Because he says the social anxiety is just, it's really just stunting his life. Yeah. Um, he says, you know, maybe putting myself out there will make it better, but I need to try to not do too much with not enough time. So it's a little, yeah, they're they're kind of weird to watch because you know the outcome. Yeah. But. It's got to be sad. It's very sad. And it's, it's sad because of what he's going through and it's also very sad because he's he's doing it to help people he's putting out these vlogs he's like throwing himself out there you know and at 17 that's a big thing that's a big step you know yeah so to want to help others that's that's huge so conrad and michelle ended up starting a relationship after returning home uh despite only being an hour away they only saw each other about five times over two years However, they were in constant communication. And by constant communication, I'm talking like 100 to 200 text messages a day. Mm. A day. I could believe it. I don't have that much to say to you. <laughs> we have about five a day. Yeah. Hello, when are you going to be home? The What's dog for pooped. dinner? Yeah. <laughs> are you going to pick it up when you get home? And I need I'm too dip. lazy. Yeah. I'm That's too it. lazy to pick up the dog poop. Will you get it when you get home? Thank Other than you. that, we just, yeah. I don't have that much to say to you. <laughs> no. I, I really don't. Which is okay. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing we, wrong we with that. We still stare at each other. It's yeah. fine. I'm staring at you right now. I know, which creeps me out. Mm. Um, so a frequent and a constant topic was Conrad's struggles with depression and anxiety. And his frequent thoughts of suicide. 
Conrad's thoughts of suicide eventually escalated to an actual attempt. And in October of 2012, he took a bottle of acetaminophen, which is Tylenol. Tylenol. Um, He did this in an attempt to overdose. He was actually in a group chat at the time, and somehow a girl recognized that something had happened. Yeah. And she called the police. Um, His mother, Lynn, rushed home and said that he started vomiting uh, a lot, which that's the number one side effect of acetaminophen overdose is vomiting. Okay. Um, Mostly, and this is going to sound weird, because... Your stomach is only so big, yeah. and you're taking all of these pills that are designed to break apart and expand. Yeah. So your stomach is full, oh, and that's so why it's yeah, coming up. That's the very first step is it's coming up, and then Makes your body sense. recognizes it as poison, essentially, right? and tries to get it up. So she said uh, that Conrad promised he'd never do it again. She thought he meant suicide, but what he really meant was he wouldn't do Tylenol again. And we know this because he ended up texting Michelle that ODing on pills doesn't work. He would use sleeping pills next time because Tylenol only has a 0.2% fatal rate for overdoses. So he was doing homework. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, yes, he definitely was. So, yeah. So that was the, the first attempt. Um, he was rushed to the hospital. They did pump his stomach, and he ended up staying for about a week at mm-hmm. the hospital. Um, a lot of, they don't talk about any type of treatment that he received afterwards. Mm-hmm. So we know he went to doctors. We don't know the extent of the treatments after yeah. stuff like this. So, um, I mean, you, you have to <clears throat> well, after it's, something like that. You, you, in Illinois, it's mandated. Oh, is it really? Yes, yes. Okay. Any type of suicide attempt, it's once you have, not graduated, but once you're medically stable, yeah. you're, you're a 72-hour hold, guaranteed. Oh, yeah. no kidding. Um, in the same sense, if with cutting, yeah. if you cut yourself, if you um, are self-harming or an attempt suicide with cutting, if it requires stitches, you're a 72-hour hold. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Okay. That's good to know. <coughs> Shows intent. That's interesting. So, um, Lynn told Conrad, you can't do this again, saying, quote, if you die, I die. When he got home um, from the hospital, now Lynn mentioned something in the documentary about a liver transplant. Um, I mean, if they wouldn't have pumped his stomach, it would have been possible. Because yeah. acetaminophen doesn't necessarily kill you. But right. it'll screw up your insides pretty bad. That, that's what I would think. I it'll mean, shut your liver down. still going to be poisonous. It's going to kill your... you. Just It's going to take 20 years to do so. Right. So, um, so he ends up reaching out to Michelle on October 10th. Um, you know, she says, hey. He says, what's up? I probably should preface this by this is very heavy with text messages. Okay. Specific text messages from them. Okay. Um, I put in the specific text when I thought it was necessary. I tried to group it all together when I could. So, okay. Appreciate um, that. So, Conrad, do you care what's been happening to me? Michelle, what's been happening? Conrad, stayed in the hospital last week because I'm weak and sensitive and don't know why you like me in the first place. Michelle, was it like therapy? And it's because you make me feel special, Conrad. Conrad, yeah, I tried to kill myself. Just remember, I'm not the person you thought I was. 
the voices in my head tell me to drown myself or OD on sleeping pills. I just wanted you to know, so if you text me and I'm not responding, that's why. And then he stops answering her. That's terrible. Well, then he stops answering her. This turns out to be a pattern. Really? Yes. So now she has this thought in her head that if he doesn't respond, he has killed himself. Right. So he would do that repeatedly. He would stop responding and then just the next morning be like, hey, I'm good. No, that's not cool. She's mentally fragile also. Right. So that's breaking her too. He's playing a game. Right. Almost. So now Conrad would go on to have at least four more suicide attempts. Okay. Um, He tried drowning, suffocation, and water poisoning. Do you know what water poisoning is? Drinking too much? Yes, because if you drink too much water in a short amount of time, it throws your electrolytes off. Yeah. um, Mostly your sodium levels, Mm -hmm. which low sodium or high sodium can actually cause erratic heart rhythms. Okay. So it it can kill you. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I I remember that from football Mm -hmm. camp. Yeah. When they would tell you, take it easy on the water. It's very common in like uh, runners. Yeah. So yeah, you can you can screw your kidneys. Yeah, put yourself into rhabdomyolysis, which means your muscles breaking down, your kidneys are breaking down. Right. So the conversation then turns into the devil. Uh, Conrad told Michelle that he saw the devil at the hospital one night, quote, staring at me, and he told me to kill them all. Wow. Michelle says, "What is going on?" I see him too. I see him a lot, actually. I think, though, she said she saw him because he said he saw him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Trying to make him feel better. The best example. Well, I really like pizza. Oh, uh, me me too. too. I love it. I like sausage. Oh, my God. Me too. Meat lovers. Right. So, (laughs) um, Conrad, maybe we were meant to be together. The devil brought us. Michelle, we are destined for hell then. But babe, even if I do end up going to hell, I'm happy it's with you. Wow, that's sad. So later at trial, a psychiatrist would testify that a common side effect of antidepressants in teenagers is hallucinating nightmares or night terrors. Which is crazy because you're taking something that's supposed to help you. Yeah. And it's making... It's making things worse. Well, what you also can find out if you if you read sixty thousand text messages, which guys, I read sixty thousand text messages. Yeah. Um. He starts and stops his medication a lot, and that's a no no. That is a big no no. Worst thing you can do. Yes, that screws up your body. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad, and it's not just like he would forget to take it one night here and there. He he would start and stop repeatedly. Yeah, you, you can't do that. So the other thing that we notice is he's essentially, um, I mean, he's dumping on Michelle. Mm-hmm. She's the only one he talks to about this. Yeah, the only one. Right, right. She repeatedly tries to talk him into getting help, into talking to somebody, and he just won't budge. He, no. So he says he went to see a friend uh, by the name of Tom Gamble in an attempt to really combat the social anxiety. Uh, he told Michelle that it was awkward and uncomfortable, and he texted his mom, quote, the visit was a bust. 
I haven't slept good. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling down. I don't know why I can't just be normal. <sighs> he is clearly just suffering yeah. from from mental illness. This is not yeah. teenage hormones. No. Um, Michelle also is very much suffering from mental illness, not teenage hormones. And the two together is like... It's toxic. I don't know if it's the perfect storm or the blind leading the blind. Right. You know what I mean? So, but it's toxic, yeah. whatever it is. He's he's dumping on her to get it off of his chest, and she's absorbing it all, trying to make him happy, and she's trying to kind of digest it. So right around this time, uh, Michelle starts having bouts of self-harm. Um, there's yeah. a, a girl in school. Her name is Sam. She would talk to Sam a lot. Um, and we find out really that her self-harm is a direct result of her anorexia. Now, how was she harming herself? She was cutting. Okay. Um, She texted Sam and said she was ready to have a nervous breakdown because she ate pasta. Uh And she became so anxious over it that she cut and she just needs to get the knife out of her house and that she's so stupid. Like this, this is breaking my my heart. (laughs) I was just going to say it's breaking my heart. Even as a dad. I mean, ugh. So at the beginning of 2014, Conrad, uh, he started having issues at school again, and he actually ended up getting suspended for fighting. Not many details are, we don't know about that. There's a lot of background details that I can usually find that are just nowhere for this. Um, So Conrad at this point, again, is still very much suicidal constantly talking about it uh michelle repeatedly tries to talk him out of it and tries to get him help yeah um on june 1st of 2014 michelle starts talking to him about uh going in for inpatient treatment yeah she says that she's gonna go in for inpatient treatment for her anorexia and her eating disorders and um that Conrad should go with her. Yeah. And he's like, well, how how do you know you're going to be able to go? How do you know, you know, they're going to take you? And she's like, my mom knows I'm having issues and said, would I need help? She'll take me to get help. Yeah. So I don't, I, maybe I read too far into his text messages about it, but it was almost like, like you don't have to beg to go for treatment. Like you just say you need it and you get it. It was almost like he was questioning how easy it was for her to get it. Hmm. Um, I wonder if it was like that for him. That's what I'm wondering. If that, you know, if because, his parents were yeah. like, "Do you really need Do you re- it?" Because I, I kind of got the sense that his dad was like, "You're just you're you're, fine. You're you're a teenager. You're a normal sixteen year old boy. Right. You're going through you know right. changes in your body." And that's kind of do the, you really need help? That's like the vibe I got from yeah. his dad, and his mom almost was. The vibe that I got. I'm not saying she was like this. Um, if I don't acknowledge it, it's not there. Right. We, we acknowledge it when we have to, but if I don't acknowledge it, it's it's not there. Yeah, it's not an issue. Because he was very questioning, like, how do you know she's good? You know, your mom's going to take you in. How do you know this is going to happen? And Michelle was just very much like, they kind of, I tell them I need help and they take me to get help. Yeah. So she's like, it's this great facility. They do depression, anxiety, like come with me we can support each other like we can help each other through this yeah and he refuses saying that he's tried it before and it didn't help (sighs) 
that he doesn't want to go into treatment because he doesn't want anyone telling him what to do. And at, he stopped his medication. I guess. Just because you try it once does mm-hmm. not mean you give up on it. Well, she actually says that to him at some point. So he begs Michelle not to tell anyone what he's thinking. Yeah. Um, and when uh, it's brought up again, Conrad texts Michelle that, <laughs> this is his text quote, it's probably going to make me worse off. Don't even feel like it. But he texted it 17 times. He wrote it 17 times in one text message. Oh, wow. Um, Between June 20th and June 21st, now Michelle is in treatment. She went to a hospital called McLean Hospital um, in Massachusetts for treatment. She, again, tries to get him to meet her there. Just come here, you Mm -hmm. know. Yeah. there's hundreds of text messages between the two. Conrad talks about how he's in a deep depression that he can't get out of. He doesn't want to exist. He can't sleep. He doesn't want to be a freak anymore. And why can't he be normal and have goals like his dad did when his dad was in high school? And he feels like he's failing everybody. Um, he tells Michelle that he's holding out for her and his parents because they care about him. Yeah. She texts him, quote, it's time to start living your life for you, not just for them. Right now, you're just existing. You aren't living, and I want to help you live again. That's a good text. Yeah. Uh, Conrad, those are wise words, but Michelle, but as much as you want to try, I don't think I'm good enough for you, me, or anybody. That was his response. Mm. On June 23rd, Conrad goes to a psychiatrist appointment, so we know he's seeing a doctor somewhat, obviously, if anything, just for his medication. Now... At this point, he's his medication has changed to Celexa. Okay. So this is the Talipram. So he had a medication change about a month prior to his actual death. Um, he tells Michelle that the appointment. What's the difference between uh, like different fast acting, slow acting? Like what? What's with the medicine change? Um. Like why do they do the medicine change? Yeah. Why the same reason they do them with you? Not every medication works for everybody. Okay, I got you. Um, and with with teenagers, it's ten times hard. I mean, we know how hard it is to find a medication that works for you. Right. It's ten times harder with teenagers because medications that work for adults don't work on teenagers, and and they sense. don't know why. Yeah. So, um, so he told Michelle that the appointment went okay, but he didn't think he could really express himself. And Michelle tells him that she's proud of him, that it's a huge step just going to the appointment and trying to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. And he says that nobody can fix him. Mm. She says that he doesn't give anything a chance and he just automatically assumes that nothing will work and maybe that's why things aren't working. Yeah. Uh, Conrad, I'm thinking of harming myself, to be completely honest. No. Michelle at this point literally begs him not to says that he'll feel worse and he'll regret it afterwards. Uh, Michelle, I wish you could see yourself as I see you. Then you'll love yourself. It frustrates me. Um, On June 25th, he tells Michelle he's been thinking of nothing but suicide for days. Michelle says that she thinks deep down he has some hope of getting better or he'd have done it by now. It's like she's doing everything in her power. Begging. She's begging him. Yeah. To help mm-hmm. him out. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which is why the end of this story yeah. blows my mind. It, yeah. It blows my mind. Mm. 
So um, Conrad at this point says the only reason he hasn't is because of his family. On June 26th, Conrad texts her, I give up, I give up on myself. He then says that they should be more like Romeo and Juliet. Michelle, haha, I'd love to be your Juliet. Conrad, but you know what happens at the end. Michelle, oh yeah, F no, we are not dying. Because that's what happens. Yeah. So now either on June 26th or the June 29th, I believe it's the 26th from what I could see, but some sources say that the 29th. Conrad texts Michelle, can I tell you something? And she says, you can tell me anything. You don't have to ask. Conrad, there's nothing anyone can do for me that's going to make me want to live. It's very bad to hear, but I want you to let you know that truthfully, there's nothing you can say or do that's going to make me want to live. Oh, my gosh. He's he's set. Yeah. He's set. He knows what he's going to do. Conrad then says, the only way I'd hate you is if you tell anyone about this. Michelle, I won't tell anyone. Then Michelle says, I almost want you to try something and fail so you'll have to go get help. Which, I get it. I, I totally understand that. So again, Michelle is the only person that Conrad is talking to about his thoughts and feelings. Um, because she she's supporting him no matter what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Anybody else would have tried to stop him. We yeah. told him, you know, he he ends up telling her that she's the only one who supports him and anybody else would tell him you can't feel that way. Right. And right. she accepts it and she listens so he keeps doing it. But on the other side, she's taking it all. Yeah. She's taking it all. And she is. She is an impressionable 16-year-old girl who is in love with this boy. Mm-hmm. And just wants to make him happy. Yeah. Just wants to make sure that he's happy. And at 16 and even at 40, you know, people tell people what they want to hear to make them happy. Yeah. So yeah. he, um, it, it's later said in court at trial by a psychiatrist that Michelle was in an abusive relationship. He's putting all of this I on I mean, her. psychological. Psycholo- yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, without a doubt. That she is at the bottom of his pyramid, pretty much. Yeah. And she's just, it's like rocks on top of her. Mm-hmm. So, um, by this time, he clearly doesn't see himself getting any better. He said it repeatedly. He doesn't think it's going to happen. And daily life to him is almost torture. Wow. But he has that guilt for his family. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to hurt his family. Right. It's not even that he doesn't want to leave them. He doesn't want to hurt. He them. doesn't want to hurt them. So, yeah. um, at one point, he ended up texting Michelle uh, Conrad. My mom even knows, and she doesn't even care. No one wants me to stick around. My mom just saw my laptop. Michelle, what did she see? What was on it? Conrad, the page said suicide methods on the front. She looked right at it. She definitely saw it and read it and ignored it. She knows what I'm going through and maybe she will understand. I really hope I can do this. See, it's, yeah, like we were talking about before how he was so surprised how easy she had it to get help, Mm -hmm. you know, and and he's 
I mean, how could mom ignore that? It was never verified that that actually happened, but... If it did. If it did. You you, you cannot which ignore is, that. Right, which is, again, why, to me, it was, if I don't acknowledge it, it's not happening. Right. It's not, it's not happening. Right. It'll go away. It'll fix itself. It'll fix itself. We'll take him to the doctor. We'll put him on this medicine, and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know? So... On July 2nd. So this is where we see a turn in Michelle. Um, It's like at this point, she knows he's going to do it. It's in her head that he's definitely going to commit suicide. And she just wants to make it happy. She wants to make him happy. Even knowing that... what the end result is Mm -hmm. that his main objective is for it to be quick and painless yeah so she starts helping him um she texted him on july 2nd jesus will take care of you babe you'll be happy and protected in heaven i just want you to be happy so so happy heaven needs a hero Mm. um so again it's it's at this point that she it's thought that she believes that the only way that Conrad will be happy is to die. Um, so this Ugh. is when she starts, I, I mean, really helping him. Yeah. Um, now, she's never given an interview. She's never talked. No, I, I, I didn't I don't, think she did. No, she, she's never talked. So right. when I say, you know, it's thought that this is when this happened. And she's an adult the, now. She was, so. she was 20 when she went to court. So, yeah, yeah she's an adult. So she definitely can give one. Oh, yeah. Um, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. Two people know, and one of them is not here. Right. So that's why I think the case goes one way or the other, like to such an extreme, because people like, I mean, like me are, are making assumptions based off of what they read and what they see. And do I think everybody read all 60,000 text messages? No way. No, no way. I I don't. I don't because I didn't read anywhere. That he was starting and stopping his medication. Right. I saw it in the text messages. Like, and they're all out there. Right. They're all out there. So, um, it's also believed at this point that Michelle is in a manic state due to her medication. Hmm. Um, which now, is. Could you kind of describe what that means? So, when you're manic, um, so she was, they, they, said she was hypomanic so she's she's set like on a path she's got a one-track mind this is going to happen this is how it's going to happen this is what's going to happen this is how it's going to happen and she's just straightforward um any deviation or any change Mm -hmm. angers somebody in a manic state it it would screw up everything and that's the thing somebody in a manic state is this is what has to happen this is how it's going to happen and any deviation Right, really just can't happen. They can't handle it. It it causes right. anger, and so now her medication. It's unknown if there was a medication change at this point, but she was having some exacerbations of her eating disorder. So she was having some increased episodes, so yeah. to speak, of her eating disorder. So you have this already tiny girl mm-hmm. who's now not eating. Yeah. So she's not metabolizing anything, which means she's not metabolizing that medication. Right. So it's not working. It's like taking a sugar pill. Yeah. Right. So um, 
but they say that this is why it appears that she demands that he kill himself because she has it set in her mind that this is how he is going to be happy and I am going to make him happy so right. he has to do this this has to happen yeah. so she starts researching and talking about methods with him um, and he was researching survival rates of methods and it's almost you can see the change in his text messages too almost he's he's almost excited oh. he, he's almost excited oh, now because she's terrible she's not she's not trying to get him off right, of she's it. not butting she, heads with him anymore right. she's so going along with it he starts talking about co poisoning and getting a portable generator um his main concern with that though was for the first responders He's like, what it's happens bad. if they open the door? Oh, it's bad. It's colorless and odorless. You know, what What if they open the door? Well, not just that. Your body goes through a lot. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's pretty gruesome. Yeah. Um. And Michelle's like, listen, they're going to hear the generator. They're, they're going to know. It's going to yeah. be sitting in the front seat next to you. Yeah. So, but that's that's a concern. We've seen it before where there have been signs stuck to the window. Right. CO, don't open the door, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was his biggest concern with that. Um, he then asked Michelle, what would you do? And she says that she would get help. It would be her first instinct to get help because she couldn't do it alone. Mm. So on July 11th through the 12th, uh, Conrad again expresses concern about his parents and he wants to make sure that his family knows that there was nothing that they could do to stop him. Yeah. He says, quote, I am trapped in my own thoughts. I'm overthinking. Bleep. Uh, I got to stop and just do it. This poor kid is suffering. He's, that's what I'm saying. Like, daily life is, it's torture yeah. to him. So, um, Michelle tells him, you know, it, it's got to be to the point where they know. They have to know. Yeah. And... It, maybe they're accepting it and that's why no one's talking about it because they know it's coming and right, you know right um she tells him again that he needs to do it because you can't live every life you can't live every day like this um can't be unhappy every right. day and this is where a lot of people are like well she pushed him she pushed him she pushed him but she's also 16 and right. she's thinking that this is what's going to make him happy. Right. She just wants to She just make wants him, him happy. happy. Right. And that's what he talks what, about. Is, what else are you... If he's blowing you off all the time and getting and getting upset and butting right. heads when you're trying to help him, what are, you, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to say? Well, and the other thing that I'm thinking too, like reverse psychology. Maybe if she's like, fine. Do it. Do it. I'll help you. Right. Maybe he'll stop. Yeah. Yeah. Then maybe... Or the other thing, when when somebody says, okay, um, I'm just, I'm not happy on the softball team. I'm not happy. I don't want to do it. I'm not happy. I don't want to do it. And you hear about it every single day. Yeah. Day in and day out, it begins to take a toll on you. Right. So then eventually, just quit. yes, you're get just off like, the team. Just quit. Change the narrative. If right. you want something to change, change the narrative. And maybe that's why she was finally like, "Just do it." A yeah. lot of there were some. There's some 
don't get me wrong, there's some disturbing text messages. Yeah. When she finally decides that she's going to help him, she's like, well, why don't you drink bleach? Why don't you hang yourself? Why don't you get Tylenol and Benadryl and tie a bag over your head and just go to sleep? I mean, they're disturbing, yes, but she's she's helping him. That's what she thinks. She's right. helping him. She's giving him options. In her own way, she's helping. Right. Of, of painless ways to do things. Right. So. So he doesn't have to suffer. Right. Um, on July 12th of 2014, Conrad says that he's ready and determined and then follows it by, I'm going to eventually, I don't know what I'm waiting for. Uh, Michelle tells him again that if he doesn't actually do it, she's basically going to force him to go get help. Wow. Um, so at midnight, like 1238 or whatever, on July 12th, um, a text message is sent. I can't remember who from but at 419 michelle gets a text message from conrad yeah and she responds why haven't you done it yet because he was supposed to do it that night apparently Mm -hmm. so she was shocked when she heard from him yeah uh conrad i'm too messed up my head i have everything lined up i really don't know what i'm waiting for which he typed out 30 times in a text message oh my gosh michelle you're making it harder on yourself by putting it off you just have to do it Conrad, is it too late? It's already light outside. Michelle, it's probably the best time now because everyone's sleeping. Just go somewhere in your truck and no one's really out right now because it's an awkward time. Conrad, I'm going to go back to sleep. Love you. I'll text you tomorrow, which he meant that that day, obviously. Uh, They start texting again around 9 a.m. and he says that he is definitely going to do it today. Yeah. 100%. Um. Followed by, quote, like, why am I so hesitant lately? Like, two weeks ago, I was willing to try everything. I'm worse, really bad. He then thanks Michelle for being there, and she says that she would always be there because she's he's the love of her life. He then goes to the beach with his mom because his mom makes him go to the beach. (laughs) And at 6.19 p.m., Michelle says, are you going to do it now? At 6.20, Conrad says leaving now at 625 conrad says okay i'm almost there at 628 conrad calls michelle and the phone call lasts 43 minutes we don't know what was said because michelle will not talk oh wow Uh, a second phone call after that lasted 47 minutes wow we don't know what was said michelle will not talk Mm. at 919 michelle texts him please answer me I'm scared. Are you okay? I love you. Please answer. At 1038, she texts him. You're at your dad's. Camden told me. I'll get you help soon, I guess. I thought you actually did it. Now, by 1038 p.m. when she sent that text message, he had done it. So. And what, how, how did he? uh, Well, I'm getting there. So July 13th. Conrad's mom calls the police because it's not normal for him to not come home. Uh, She said she had an odd feeling almost like he passed through her. Uh, He was eventually found in a Kmart parking lot in Fairhaven, Massachusetts in his truck. He got a portable generator or water generator of some sort um, and just put it in the front seat with him. Jeez. So... Yeah, um, it, it probably didn't take, take long. long. 
it probably didn't. So, um, hang on. I got to take a breath for a second. So, um, it was a gasoline-operated water pump. That's what it was. Um, yeah, so it probably didn't take long no. at all for the C um, carbon monoxide. So now she gets a lot of grief because she was texting his sister. Have you, have you seen him? Yeah. Um, and then she texted his mom. Have you seen him? And it was like, well, you know, you know what happened. But did she? Because he had multiple times prior to said he did said if yeah. you know if you don't hear from me it's because I did this and right. he he didn't right. so um she at one point texted her friend at nine twenty four p.m. so right after she texted him please answer I'm scared she texted him and said he called me and I heard like muffled sounds and some type of motor running and it was like that for twenty minutes and he wouldn't answer. Mm-hmm. So he called her, she picked up the phone, and she heard him. She yeah. heard him die, basically. Oh, jeez. Um, a few days after his death, uh, Co found a notebook with his iPhone and laptop passwords, along with what looked to be suicide notes. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote one to Michelle and his parents, obviously. Oh, Sorry. Uh, The one to Michelle said, keep strong in tough times. Our songs, listen to them and remember me. And he had asked her multiple times to take care of his family while he was gone. Make sure they get through it. You know? Right. I I can't. Yeah. My heart breaks. Mm -hmm. Mm. So the wake for uh, the services were on the 19th of July. Yeah. Uh, in Mattapoisette. See, I said it right again. Good job. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle emailed Conrad's sister not long after saying Conrad did not kill himself because of bullying like everybody assumes. I know the, the real reason. She ended up sending Camden some of Conrad's messages. Yeah. So they knew it wasn't their fault. And that's what he wanted her to do. He wanted her to make sure that they knew it wasn't him. Right. Or it wasn't them, excuse right, me. Right, right. So now, in Massachusetts at the time, uh, even if it is obvious suicide, it does require a death investigation. Okay. So they found his phone, which <clears throat> apparently was dead at the time, and they kind of went back and forth about taking it and then took it. Yeah. Um, turned it on, obviously, and found text messages between him and Michelle. That was the last correspondence on his phone was between him and Michelle. Yeah. And the detective said that they were immediately disturbed. I, I get it. I get it. It's a lot. When we have the, I don't want to say the the benefit, but the benefit, so to speak, of getting it all at once. Yeah. So we can see it all at once and we can see the totality of it all. Right. These detectives see an 18-year-old boy dead in a truck and With, messages on his phone saying, right. just do just it. Just do it. Just yeah. do it. Right. So it's hard. You know, immediately I would think that too. You know, it's, oh, it's I, hard I, not I to. I would too, yeah. Um, They eventually go to Michelle and um, they they talk to her about his untimely death is what they call it. They go to her school. Yeah. 
they asked her if she had contact with him the day of. And she's like, you know, I, I don't know because I don't know exactly when it happened. Yeah. I know he's talked about it before, but I, I, I don't know. She's 16. There's two cops in front of her. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? I'd be terrified. Yeah. She was probably like pooping her pants, you know? Well, I mean, when we talk to teenagers, they they well, pretty much were for the most part. You are a frightening entity <laughs> in and of yourself. So I would have, it, oh my God, if I was 16 and you walked into a room to interview me, jeez. I would confess to the friggin' Lindbergh kidnapping. I did it. I did it. That's it's fine. I did it. Just whatever. So at this point, they tell her they're taking her phone. They have a search warrant for her phone. Mm-hmm. So they do. This is when they pull the three hundred and seventeen pages, oh, wow. um, which is the sixty thousand text messages. Um, there's no way they read all that. No, no way. There's not. There's no way. No. Um, it, it's just too much they said that they split it into a thousand at a time and each night um a group of them would take them home and read them and at the end they came up with she did it if it wasn't for him if it wasn't for her he wouldn't have done it which to me is absurd yeah it's absurd look at what he says right he, he, uh, that's all he talks about. If you're looking at the earlier conversations. Oh, I get it. Then. Uh, but they have the totality of it. it, it well, so exactly. now they have the totality of it and you're reading it from start to finish and still they come to the conclusion right. that if it wasn't for her, he wouldn't have done it. Right. I, I don't, I don't buy it. Um. So. They end up, they end up investigating it. They talk to Conrad's parents, and his mom's like, "I I know they were texting. I didn't know it was you know this right essentially, but you know at this point Michelle, like I said, was sending some of these messages to to Camden, his sister. Mm-hmm. So they knew after death what he was going through. Oh yeah. Um, it's still easier to to blame somebody else. Oh, it it all hundred percent. It always is. 100%. Yeah. So in addition to the text message that she wrote to her friend on the 15th of September um, that she told him to get back in, uh, it was, there was more. Uh, It was continued, quote, so I like started giving up because nothing I did was helping and I should have tried harder. Like I should have did more and it's my fault because I could have stopped him, but I didn't. All I had to say was, I love you. Don't do this one more time. And he'd still be here. He told me he would give me signs to know he is watching over me, but I haven't seen any. And I just, I don't know. I'm sorry about the rant. I just needed to get off my chest and it's all finally sinking in. So now she has almost survivor's guilt. Yeah. You know, like she at one point, she's, she texts his phone repeatedly afterwards yeah. for months there's upwards of 80 text messages. Just because it's probably so hard right. to believe. Well, yeah. She she texts him, you know, I made it, I made you think that I was okay with you doing this, but I really wasn't. I just wanted you to be happy. And it's awful, awful. So they get her phone. Um, 
she ended up getting indicted for involuntary manslaughter on February 5th, 2015. Now, an indiction... You can't even say the word. I can't even say it. Indictment. Indictment is basically you're being charged. It's going to go to a grand jury, and they are going to determine if there are... If there's enough evidence to bring charges on a person, that's what an indictment is. So So they essentially brought it to a grand jury and they charged her. Right. As a youthful offender in juvenile court. So because she was a juvenile at the time of the quote unquote crime, she's being charged in juvenile court. But being deemed a youthful offender means that she can be sentenced as an adult. Oh, really? In Massachusetts. Wow. Okay. I threw that in there for you. Thank you. Um, so, the trial. Hang on. Her attorney is like, listen, I, there's no law. You, right. You're charging her with no law. There, There isn't. In Massachusetts, at the time, despite 40 other states having a law, Massachusetts had no law against assisted suicide. Really? Not that this was assisted, because, I mean, assisted is you're handing them the pill or the but gun or whatever. But how can they charge her? That's what her attorneys are like, what are you doing? There's nothing to charge her with. Yeah. First of all, not only did she not assist him, because she was not there. She wasn't there. There's no law. Right. It was not illegal in Massachusetts at the time. That's how scary that is. Uh-huh. Sending text messages. Mm-hmm. You need to know what you're sending. Mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. because you don't know how that can be taken mm-hmm. that's scary mm-hmm. her attorney said that um for a year and a half she tried to talk him out of it and that conrad's decision to kill himself was conrad's alone and said quote we're dealing with a 17 year old impressionable female who is not equipped to deal with conrad roy's suicide plans and sadly, he carried th- he carried through on his plan. Mm. She couldn't she she couldn't comprehend. Right. She thought she was helping. Yeah. But again, her attorney, there is no law. What are yeah. we charging her How with? How are you charging her? How are you charging her with involuntary manslaughter? Even if you think she's at fault, she's par- partly at fault for this. You still. How do you charge her? What he said was. She might have done something morally wrong, but it was not It's not illegal. illegal. Yes. Exactly. Also, he fights that her text messages are protected by the First Amendment, which is freedom of speech. Yeah. How, yeah. how are they not? <laughs> wow. The judge with the indictment at the time was like, so we're just supposed to ignore the fact that she told them to get back in the truck? We're just supposed to ignore that? And her attorney again argues, it's not assisted. She was not there. She did not push him into the truck. It might be morally, but it's not against the law. You may not like what she said. Right. But she didn't do anything illegal. Right. He flat out says that's what the indictment is from. The indictment stemmed solely from that text message. Wow. That said that she told him to get back in. Now, here's the thing. That was to a friend. So now her attorney is like, well, that's third party. Yeah. 
we we don't know what was said. That was on a phone call. It wasn't a recorded phone call. We don't know what was said between the two of them. Right. Because that's allegedly when she told him that. Right. Was on one of those 47-minute phone calls that she doesn't discuss. Mm-hmm. So he says, well, tough. That's that's what it is. How can Wow. So Ugh. they go to trial. Um, there is a psychiatrist that comes in. His name is uh, Dr. Bregan, who he he talks a lot about the effects of specifically Celexa, because that is what Conrad was on a month prior. It's also what Michelle was on. They were on the same medication. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about the effect of Celexa and how it disrupts the frontal lobe function, which is not developed at all in teenagers. No. And your frontal lobe is what controls emotion and impulse control. Right, right. So he's saying basically that she, she she didn't know what she was doing. He called it involuntary intoxication of her drugs because she was having a bout of, she was having an issue of her anorexia, with yeah. her anorexia. She wasn't metabolizing the meds as she should have. Yeah. So it wasn't working anyway. I could believe that. So... She opted, very smartly, in my opinion, she waived a jury trial mm-hmm. and went just with the judge, Yeah, which to me was smart. You're, you were already indicted by a judge who didn't give a crap about well, a law being in, there. You're indicted by a jury already. So a jury already thinks that there's enough evidence, you know, to bring on charges. With no law. Right. And juries, <laughs> juries are not legally not legally that's not the word i'm looking for they don't have enough knowledge of the justice system or the legal system to base a a good decision off of certain cases right they they base their verdicts off of emotion 90 percent of the time yes so they're dealing with the death of an 18 year old right that's what they're going to see so i think she was smart and it, it, this was a media trial, too, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, she was guilty on TV while this was going on. I mean, people were already making assumptions. They said that she had a self-created duty to act to stop him. Hmm. What? Yeah, I don't know about that. What? I don't know about that. And that not stopping him constituted wanton and reckless conduct. Uh, if he's going to kill himself, he's going to kill himself. That's how how are you going to stop I'm, him? That's what I'm saying. That's what I don't understand. You have everything that shows that this kid was set. He w- It was going to happen. Whether she was there or part of it or not. It was going to happen. I mean, uh, other than her going there and tying him down. Right. Making sure that it didn't. Right. Uh, how, how are you going to make that happen? So the judge said, quote, Carter's actions and also her failure to act where she had a self-created duty to Mr. Roy since she had put him in that toxic environment constituted each and all wanton and reckless conduct. She instructed Mr. Roy to get back into the truck, well knowing of all the feelings that he had exchanged with her, his fears and his concerns. Wow. So they basically said that when he got out of the truck, 
he was trying to get fresh air mm. and, and stop the attempt like he had previously. Right. And she told him to get back into the truck knowing that the cab of the truck was filled with carbon monoxide. Mm. That she was putting him in a toxic environment. Ooh, yikes. Yikes. So they also said that her demanding, that's the word they use, and I don't like that word, her demanding him to do it and wanting to know when he was going to do it uh, disrupted his already fragile state. What about hers? What What exactly? She is a, at the time, a 16-year-old girl that you are now making responsible. That is mentally ill as right, well. That you're now making responsible for somebody else's mental illness. He, he had a clear, yeah. clear mental illness that he was not, he was not winning that battle. No. He, he wasn't. Not at all. For whatever reason, he, he was not winning that battle. And you saw it a lot. They say when people decide to commit suicide, a, a peace almost comes over them. Mm-hmm. And you could see in his text messages that when she started helping him, he was excited. Yeah. Because he was going to do it with or without her. Right. It was going to happen. Right. And that's what her attorney tried arguing, that look at what he was saying. Look at look at the totality of all of the text messages. He was going to do this, whether, whether it was that day yep. or a month later, whether she told him to get back in the truck or not. Right. It was going to happen. He was going to do it. Yeah. And what did the judge say? He didn't care. Wow. He, he, he didn't care. Mm. She knew... He said that she knew telling him getting back in the truck, she was sending him into a toxic environment inconsistent with human life. Quote, she did nothing. She did not call the police or Mr. Roy's family. Finally, she did not issue a simple additional instruction to Roy to get out of the truck. She's 16. Yeah. She's a child. She's she's a child in love with another tri- child trying to make him happy. Who's also mentally oh ill. God. I just Wow. Yeah, I have a hard so time with this one. What what now was the ending? Well, there's a little more. Okay. So now Conrad's father, when when he's asked in the documentary, who do you think is directly responsible for his death? And he says, Michelle Carter. Yet his ex wife and Conrad's mother texted Michelle after Conrad died that she can't help but wonder if she should have told him to stay away to his from his dad's side of the family and that his father and that side of the family have blood on their hands. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So she blamed dad mm-hmm. until the text messages came out. Then she blamed Michelle. Now, a lot of people have issue with how she acted after the fact. Um, they said that she put Conrad in that position because she wanted to be the, the grieving girlfriend. Right. Why was she texting friends that he had done it? Why was she texting his sister and his mom? Where Where is he? When she knew the outcome. Right. But one can argue, again, she didn't necessarily know the outcome because he had done this before. Yeah. So... Did she know the outcome? Did she know he was dead when she texted the family? We don't know. Right. Because, again, she she doesn't talk. talk. Right. So 
she ended up being sentenced to uh, two and a half years. She was convicted of, of involuntary manslaughter, mm-hmm. which, again, boggles my mind. Yeah, that kind of baffles um, me, too. Yeah. So all but 15 months of the sentence was suspended. Um, she served 11 months before she was released, um, and they tried to appeal based off of, um, you know, violating her constitutional rights. Yeah. That this was freedom of speech according to the First Amendment, like, you know. And her attorney said that it, pressing charges and convicting a person off of words is a scary precedence that yeah, they are setting. It is, especially if there's no law on the right. books. If there's a law on the books for assisted suicide, okay, I I can kind of see both sides. But even then I would fight because she did I, not assist him. I, I get it. But I could but see it. I, I can right. see it, though. Right. I, I can see it going through indictment. I could, too. A trial, that's another thing. But I could definitely see her getting charged with it. But... With nothing on the books, Mm-mm. that's scary. So you you need to know who you're texting, what you're mm-hmm. texting, you know, mm-hmm. word what words you're actually mm-hmm. using because anything can be taken out of context, right. like you wouldn't believe. Now, there's a lot of things that I, I mean, it's I feel like it's teenager stuff that people blew out of proportion. Um, one of the things she did was she she made a Facebook post almost immediately yeah. that that her boyfriend had committed suicide and she wants to help people suffering from mental illness. Right. She um, she organized a fundraiser, home runs for Conrad, but she did it in her town versus Conrad's hometown, and people were like, "Well, why? Why did she do that?" And she's like, "Cause I don't know anybody there." Yeah. Like, What's wrong with that? I don't know anybody there, especially because all of his friends and family drove to her town for it. Yeah. So, w- so what, what is the big deal? It, but there's not. I guess one of his friends texted her and was like, "Why don't you do it here?" And she's like, "Well, I don't. I don't know anybody there." And then she's like, "Oh, haha! You're not trying to take my idea, are you?" Again, we're forgetting she's a 16 year old girl. <laughs> so I apologize about that. I hope our guard dog didn't freak you out our little man our nine-year-old just came home from a friend's house so our dog just went crazy so chance the pupper is very much a part of the podcast because um he randomly barks at air so people jump just like we do so sorry so sorry for chance the pupper (laughs) so um and that is the best dog name ever by the way i will argue that um so a lot of people um, have issues with the precedence that this could have set. Yeah. Um, attorney Daniel Marks presented the case before the Massachusetts Supreme Court and argued that Michelle Carter's ruling and sentence, quote, stretches the law to assign blame for a tragedy that was not a crime. Right. His point was that sending somebody a text message, no matter how manipulative, should not equate to manslaughter. Now, did they put anything on the books since this? I'll get there. Okay. Um, He says, quote, it has very troubling implications for free speech, due process, and the exercise of prosecutorial discretion that that should concern us all. Now. And due process is a fair trial. um, Michelle is, she's out. 
She's been out since uh, January of 2020. Right. She's still on probation and will be uh, likely till 2025. But I believe she might have. She might be off. Oh. Um, Now, his parents actually fought for a bill to be passed um, making. um, Here. Assisted suicide. It's not even assisted. So it's called Conrad's Law. It was created, um, obviously, after the whole case. It has not passed yet. However, um, it, it's his mom is trying to get it set that anybody who intentionally courses or encourages another individual to die by suicide or attempt to die by suicide by using physical acts or mental coercion that manipulate a person's, quote, fears, affections, or sympathies would get a maximum sentence of five years in prison. Wow. That's going to be hard to pass. Yeah. That's going to be very hard to pass because of free speech. Well, yeah. As of March 29th of 2022, Massachusetts still does not have a law on the books criminalizing the act of suicide by coercion. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure about assisted suicide. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't quite get that far. Sorry, but um, suicide by coercion is. It's one of those. It's. It's a tough one. There are. Uh, there's a lot of legislation going through multiple states about coercion, but most states do have laws against assisted. Right. Suicide. Right. So the difference is caution is you talk somebody into it. Yeah. Um, Where assisted is you physically. Right. So a case that they tried to compare to hers was um, a man and his wife got into a verbal altercation. She threatened to kill herself. He proceeded to continuously make her alcoholic drinks, loaded a gun, and put it in front of her. And she did it. And she did it. Mm, that's that's tough. I mean, you're supplying the weapon. Oh, so. oh and telling her the whole time, just do it. It's right yeah, there. Just that, do it. Just do it. I, I wouldn't even compare that's not, that. That's not a comparison. No, I no. wouldn't even Mm-mm. compare that because you're, nope. you're giving her, you're intoxicating her even mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. so she's not incoherent. Mm-hmm. And you're giving, you're essentially giving her the weapon yeah. to do it. Yeah. So that I would say and is assisted. Loosening all her inhibitions and well, exactly. her, you know. Exactly. So that, I don't even think that should be compared. No, but that, that shouldn't be. Assisted that's, in that's most states comparison. yeah, is deemed you had actual contact, physical contact, physical contact yeah. with the person and you physically assisted them. Right. Um now there's there's stipulations to that law in a lot of states now, actually. Um Regarding assisted suicide versus euthanasia. Mm-hmm. Um, euthanasia, I'm sure people have heard when you euthanize a dog, if a dog is sick, you right. can put a dog down. It's been an argument for years and years and years. If you can do it with dogs, why can't you do it with people? Right. So some states, um, if you are diagnosed with a terminal illness and a doctor says that there is no coming back from it, right? a doctor can prescribe you medication to assist in your suicide. Wow. So. Okay. That's in that case, it's called euthanasia. But yeah. this one's a, it's a tough one. This one's I, tough because you got, I mean, she essentially sealed her own fate. Yeah. Unknowingly. 
sealed her own fate. She sent that text message to her friend. Nobody would have known that that conversation took place. And she never came out and denied it. No, but you have two young, Mm -hmm. essentially kids who both have mental illness, who are trying to help, you know, she's doing everything she can to get on the same page. Uh, It's just, just, what a sad story. She, I mean, there's evidence that for a year and a half, she, she tried to talk him out of it. She tried. But he... He got to the point where he was set. He was going to do it, whether she was there or not. I'm curious to hear what other people think about I'm, it. Yeah, there's it's um, it's very hard to find articles or podcasts or anything along those lines regarding this case that doesn't use um, accusatory words. Right. You know, I tried not to as much right. as I could. We tried to be straight down right. the line as much as possible i mean i think the whole case in general is just yeah i mean we have our opinions right right. you know but regardless the information is factual there's nothing made up i i've been a 16 year old girl you know you've been a 17 year old boy 16 year old girls with with boyfriends are they're gonna say what their boyfriend wants to hear to make them smile oh and you know when i was 17 i was going through a lot I mean, you you know, right. I I was going th- through quite a bit yeah. when I was seventeen. I so. mean, and in the documentary, the two detectives are like, "Well, he had this great life, and we just this is unfathomable. How can this happen? How can he commit suicide?" And somebody because in response it, was like, "I'm sorry, were you never eighteen? Right? <laughs> you know, I but I just, it it doesn't mental illness. It it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter no. what's going. You know, no. if how how much money you have." Right. You know, how many friends you have. Nope. It doesn't matter. And this was not an impulsive decision by him. Right. Clearly, based right. off of what we could read, it was not an impulsive decision. But, I mean, it, it's hard to hear some of the things or read some of the things because it makes you wonder, like, okay, you may not have suffered from mental illness as a teenager, but do you right. not remember what it's like to be 16? Right. I just... It's a hard one. Um, I know... I, I know just from what I've seen that, I mean, this, it's like 80-20, people blame her, mm-hmm. which yeah I, that that's a hard thing for me to swallow. It's, it really is. It, it's hard for me to swallow, I, I too, don't, especially with nothing on the books. I, I don't think anybody is to blame. I don't think a crime was committed. No. But I don't think... Morally, I... I, I, I still uh, don't even know what that... I see I'm a little bit more But we don't know what he said to her. Right. You know? I, I mean, was it the best thing in the world to say? Probably not. But right. she also goes to explain like I couldn't see him continue to do this every single day. Right. He, he lived his life in in a living hell every single day and I he couldn't do it anymore. Right. It's so, like the example you gave with the softball mm-hmm. team. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I, I hate playing. Right. You know, I, I'm terrible at it. I hate this. I hate it. Then, then just, just quit. Do it. Yeah. Get off yeah. the team. You know, and if if it was her final push, that it, okay, to her that was her setting him free. Right. So I, I don't think, I don't think anybody's to fault here. I think Conrad was suffering immensely. Yeah. Immensely, and just couldn't get it out to the people he needed to get it out to. But I'll be honest with you, reading what I read, 
I don't think any psychiatrist in the world could have stopped him from doing what he was going to do. That's a shame. I, I think it was going to happen. I think just he was a matter set. of time. Yeah. I think he had already come to the conclusion that he was never going to get better. Yeah. And he was never going to see himself as normal or see, you know, he he was never going to like himself. And I think it was just a matter of time. Yeah. So it's just, it's a sad story all around. And it makes like mentally, what's her mental health like right now? Right. You know? Right. I don't know. I couldn't imagine. It's, it's good. It's healthy. it's just, it's such a rough one. But guys, that's why you you, you got to be aware of what you're texting, what you're sending people, well, and the other how you're thing, treating people. Nobody told anybody anything. Right. At no point in time, even in regards to Michelle cutting or trying to hang herself, find an adult, guys. Yeah. I. <laughs> if you're struggling out there, you need to talk to someone. You, you need to get some help. There's absolutely nothing no. wrong with getting help. There was so much that went on that nobody at any point in time was like, I need to go tell my mom. Like, right. I need to find my mom. Right. Guys, if your friend's mad at you, let him be mad at you. If you're concerned about their safety, tell someone. Yep. To, and at the very least... Tell someone so you as a teenager don't have to think that this is your, your burden fault. to bear. Yeah. It's not your burden to bear. Right. right. It's also very much okay to not be okay. Yeah. And if you're not okay, talk to someone. Yeah. Anyone. Yeah. There are hotlines you can call that are completely anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give them, give some to Mrs. Highland so she can. Yeah. Um, if you're concerned about your friend, your family, your anybody, tell somebody. A teacher? Yeah. Somebody. Send me a message. Right. <laughs> don't don't let it be your burden to bear and and don't think that you have to go through this alone. Right. We're doing it. We're we're very yeah. open with our struggles we're about very it. Very open. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with getting help. Message me at three in the morning. I'm usually up. So (laughs) it's why people at work message me at all hours of the night. They're like, you're awake. We know you're awake. So. But well, all right, guys, I I hope you students got something out of it. I hope you enjoyed this project. I hope from a criminal justice perspective, this has completely perplexed you like it did me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And for our other listeners, thank you for listening. We appreciate you guys. Thank you for bearing with us on on this project uh, that we were given. You know, um, it's probably sorry. a good one. This had to be clean. Yeah, it, it, it. Yeah, yeah. But don't worry. Our next one, we'll go back to our dirty ways. Oh, you know it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed it, and we will be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.